hold your wet, hold your wet. Quick roll call, man. Well, my Saints fans, my Falcon fans, my Bucks fans, my Panther fans. Whether you keep pounding, firing off them cannons, rising up and yelling out who that. Whatever you do to support your team, I am glad that you are here supporting me. I, Darian the Mouth of the South Gray, the host of Point Blank Period. Recorded live from the Jansport. What's going down? What's going down, man? I'm glad to be back. I enjoy this every week. I look forward to it, man. And I got a light show for you guys today. We're going to talk about Cam Newton and was he screwed over by the Carolina Panthers. We're going to be talking about Tom Brady and should Buccaneer fans be worried about his stint in Tampa? Are we still calling Tampa Tampa? Or did that just pass? I don't know. It's curious. And then lastly, we're going to go outside of the division once again. And we're going to talk about Ezekiel Elliott catching COVID-19. For all thoughts and comments on the show, I've been off of Twitter for a while, so if y'all haven't commented there, commenting there, I have not been seeing it. But on Twitter, I'm at South Exclusives. On Instagram, I at, at underscore Mouth of the South. So, with no further ado, let's get started with the episode. We're going to start off with Cam Newton. Was he screwed over by the Carolina Panthers? And this originally came from Stephen A. Smith. He went on first take earlier this week, and he said that the Carolina Panthers screwed Cam Newton. Said he should have let him go earlier because they knew they wanted Teddy Bridgewater the whole time, and Cam has no leverage now. I don't all the way agree. I mean, disagree with him. I don't all the way agree with him. I actually agree with the sentiment that Stephen A. Smith is presenting. But I am going to get possibly a bit nitpicky in particular with my words, and I would not say that they screwed him because when they say that he they screwed him, that sounds like it's purposeful to me. When I hear screwed, I'm thinking like, okay, you purposeful. When I hear the word screw, I either think about chopped and screwed or I'm thinking about the Montreal screw job. And since I know for a fact we're not talking about music, I'm going to leave Houston out of it. Let's go to the Montreal screw job. For those who do not know, I'm going to give a really quick recap on what the Montreal screw job was. Basically, okay, wrestler Bret Hart was supposed to win the match and he's supposed to keep his championship. It was in his home country of Canada. Instead, Vincent Kennedy McMahon said, no chance. That's what you got. Um, and if you are not a fan of wrestling, probably the stuff I just said went over your head. But that's okay. Shout out to my wrestling fans. We all know that it's scripted. So, Vince McMahon went out there and changed the outcome of the match mid-match to go away from the script and steal the belt away from Bret Hart. Ultimately, moral of the story is, because I don't want to get too deep into it, and I'm sorry if I didn't do a great job explaining it. This just isn't a wrestling podcast. So because it's not a wrestling podcast, I didn't want to get in-depth and just go crazy with the wrestling comparisons, but... Moral of the story is it was a purposeful slap in the face of Bret Hart. And that's what I think of when I think screwing somebody. Okay? You purposely slapped this person in the face and disrespected them. And I do not think that's what the Panthers did for these couple reasons. I got three reasons specifically on why I think that Carolina actually acted in the best interest of the team. Here goes my three. First off, health issues are incorporated in all of these things. It's a big part of why Cam is not even going to be a Panther. So I'm not listing health issues as 
one of my three reasons, but I am going to say that health issues are the clear cut reason that it was even pointing for him to leave and they influenced the next three, but enough of the position and posture and let's get straight into it. Number one, you don't get rid of something without a certain replacement. I mean, this is a relationship and I'm not saying you do that in relationships where you set it up like I ain't going to leave this girl till I got another one. I ain't going to leave this dude till I got another one. Some people move like that, but that's not what I'm talking about. For example, my, I got an old phone right now. I've been rocking my phone for a while. And it's getting to the point to where occasionally the screen touches itself and I, I'm, not, I'm not doing anything. And if we're being completely honest, it's time for me to get a new one. And I'm going to get a new one. But you're crazy if you think I'm about to throw this phone away until I get me a new working phone. And that's exactly how it was with the Panthers. I do believe that they would have kept Cam Newton if they needed to. I don't think Matt Rule was just hell-bent on getting Cam out of town. I think they had to make sure. You see, once they signed Cam, once they signed Teddy Bridgewater, they didn't even wait for the ink to dry. They didn't allow it to be official. They signed him, or it was announced, rather, on March 23rd that he was signed. On March 24th, Cam was released. On March 25th, it was official that Teddy Bridgewater was a Panther. They didn't waste no time. As soon as they had a quarterback, Cam, go ahead. Now, here's my thing. If they couldn't have got a deal with anybody, they might have kept Cam because uh, look at who, the, who else they had at the time. Maybe if Kyle Allen or Will Greer looked somewhat promising, I would say, you know what, you're right. Take the risk. Just th- let them go. But he, they didn't look good. There's a reason Kyle Allen isn't even a Panther anymore. So because they didn't look good, you had to cover all your bases. And I just think it would have been bad business to get rid of Cam with no real plan in place on replacing him. Just wouldn't have been a smart move. I think a lot of people wanted the Panthers to release Cam well before free agency. And like I'm saying... Because of the lack of potential that they saw in the quarterbacks that were on the roster last year, in Will Greer and Kyle Allen, you had to make sure you were certain. And that's why you signed Teddy Bridgewater and then released Cam Newton in a timely fashion, might I add. Extremely timely fashion. Which tells me that they don't have no ill will towards them. But they waited because they wanted to get draft capital. And in my opinion... Everybody said this, but in my opinion, specifically, they wanted to trade him to Chicago. I think that there were talks. I haven't heard any reports about it, but I do think there were talks about him going to the Bears. And then the Bears signed Nick Foles. Once they signed Nick Foles, that that was it for him. There was no no place for him in Chicago. Not even as a, a I'm going to compete type of guy. And if we're being honest, a guy like Cam Newton should have been able to get some sort of return, but he didn't. Why is that? It's because of the health issues that I alluded to earlier. People don't know about Cam. This pandemic was terrible. And that's another thing. People say they screwed him. No, this pandemic was a lot of a much bigger deal about Cam Newton still not being on team than Carolina's timing of releasing him. And they didn't know this was coming. But they held out trying to get some draft 
some draft capital. They thought, you know what, Cam Newton's been the face of our organization for 10 years. You would think that he would be able to get something. That's that's all I'm saying. And that's why they held out. It was smart. They wanted to get something for him. And then lastly, the last reason, I think this may be the biggest reason that Cam does not have a job right now, in addition to the fact that I know he's not going for any kind of backup roles. The deck was already stacked against Cam. Regardless of what the Panthers did, it was already stacked up against them. When free agency was about to start, I was still on campus. Coronavirus hadn't hit. I was still running my radio show with my boy Tramel. Shout out Straight Like That. That's my guy. Well, Tramel's my guy. Straight Like That's the show. But shout out to the movement. And on that radio show, we discussed the openings that could be in the NFL as far as quarterback go. We discussed literally every single one, even ones that we thought were pretty silly, such as Dallas. But here they go. Here goes the teams that had vacancies at quarterback or could have vacancies. Mind you, this was, what, three months ago almost at this point? Yeah, three months ago. Wow. Time flies. But this was three months ago that this happened. So all these draft picks and all these signings had not happened yet. So we were just predicting. Here go the teams, though. The Bengals, the Dolphins, the Chargers, the Patriots, the Titans, the Bucks. Maybe Jacksonville, mind you, this was a prediction. The Colts and the Cowboys. Like I said, Dak Prescott technically was going to be off a contract. The Bengals, the Chargers, and the Dolphins all selected quarterbacks in the first round, as I expected. They weren't going to go for Cam. He was released in enough time to where if they wanted to sign Cam, they could have. I was asking for the Chargers to sign Cam. I honestly think that if Cam is somewhat healthy and if, if you're banking on... Um, if you're banking on guys to stay healthy, I wasn't sure if they were going to get two or not. So if you're banking on guys to stay healthy, I would have took Cam. They ended up getting Herbert. But they didn't want to get him. So that's three off the list. The Bucks were, they got Brady. They knew who they wanted. And I think if they didn't get Brady, they would have got Jameis back. That was done. Tennessee was going to stick with Tannehill regardless. That was done. The Cowboys, come on now. That's what I mean when I say we're talking about silly ones. They weren't going to get rid of Dak. They knew they wanted Dak. They, this battle was just, it was a formality. This, this trying to posture and get a long-term contract is a formality. I ain't worried about that. So, boom. That leaves us with Jacksonville, New England, and the Colts. Now, while I cannot be certain, all signs said that the Colts were, their number one option was Phillip Rivers. Above everybody else because of the relationship that he had with, I think, maybe Frank Reich. I think maybe they worked together at some point. It was either Frank Reich or the offensive coordinator. But he had a relationship with them. He had, That person had a relationship with him. And they knew they wanted to work something out to where Phillip Rivers could be a coach. Boom. Now we got Jacksonville. Now we got New England. Jacksonville loves Gardner Minshew. Whether you do or not, whether you are a Minshew Mania guy or you believe Nick Foles should have been the quarterback still or you just feel like neither one of those guys are good options, they believe in Gardner Minshew. Matter of fact, Leonard Fournette said that Cam should come to Duval County and that almost got him ran out of Duval County. They ain't playing by Minshew. Y'all better stop playing with them. So Cam wasn't going to Jacksonville, obviously. 
They still got the same quarterback situation. Matter of fact, they down the quarterback. Cam's still available. They ain't trying to sign him yet. New England could still sign Cam Newton if they wanted to. And they don't. It's clear. They do not. As of right now, they do not want to sign Cam Newton. So I basically say this. All the teams who were quarterback hungry, regardless if they would have cut him early or not, they either had their guy already or they were going to draft one. It was slim pickings for Cam Newton as is. The timing timing might not have helped. I won't say the timing helped his case, but it didn't kill his case like everybody else is trying to say. If they released early, do I think that any of those guys are not picking the quarterback in the first round? No, because they could have still done it. It happened a month before the draft. Do I think that Jacksonville was all of a sudden going to say, we didn't love Minshew Mania a month ago, but now we do? No, I don't. I don't believe that. And like I said, New England could still sign them if they wanted to. Combine all three of these factors, whether it's the the slim pickings, the attempt for draft capital, and the, the fact that you just don't get a replacement before you're done with what you already have. Combine that with the, with the health issues that Cam is having. You can't forget the health issues when you're talking about Cam. And I come to this conclusion. Cam Newton did not get screwed over by the Carolina Panthers. But he did get the short end of the stick for reasons that are both in and out of the Panther control. Point blank period. Now, for the vibe of the week this week, I was I was I was slow. I didn't know what I wanted to pick. But I was riding around today and a song came on that I hadn't I hadn't heard in forever. And it's devastated by Joey Badass. So that's what I'm gonna play. This vibe of the week. I was rocking to it. I said, you know what? That's gonna be vibe of the week today. That's how I decided it. I don't know. I ain't been listening to no song all week. No specific anything. So we're going to go with that. And I'll be right back. Point blank period. Stay here. Yeah. Can you feel it? I used to feel so devastated. At times I thought we'd never make it But now we on our way to greatness And all that ever took was patience I, I, I used to feel so devastated Getting better each day, stacking that to the cheesecake. Look up to the Lord, we pray. Trying to be my best each day until I'm late, the rest of we late. Yeah, to the time being, we lit. Hoping I don't let it get all of my head. Now I don't need the money just to say that I'm rich. Couple little honeys when they get in my bed. But they used to run for me when I had nothing. Welcome back to Point Blank Period. I am Darian, the mouth of the South Gray, and I am your host. If y'all looking for me on Instagram, you can find me at underscore mouth of the South, and on Twitter, I will be back soon, by the way. I've been taking a little break from Twitter, but I will be back soon. You can find me at South Exclusives. Holla at me, DM me, at me, whatever you try and do. Double tap a couple posts. I don't know, whatever your prerogative is. Uh, let's talk about Tom Brady. Buccaneer fans, should you be scared about Tom Brady? And before I get into this whole thing, let me paint a picture first. I came across an article about Brett Favre's time in Minnesota and how it compares, potentially, 
to Tom Brady's time in Tampa in Tampa Bay. I'm still wondering if we're calling it Tampa. Like I said, I just gave y'all my social media information. Y'all hit me on there and tell me is Tampa still cool to say. I always thought it sounded terrible, but I mean, you say it enough times, it's kind of catchy. If you start winning games, it's going to be Tampa. But the the comparison and the parallel that they painted was the fact that both of these guys are old. Tom Brady's on a two-year contract. Far as Minnesota run lasted two years. And my first thought was, why should they be worried? What do you mean, be worried about it? That's because I immediately thought of the near Super Bowl run. I'm thinking about them going to the NFC Championship game. That's what I think about when I think about Favre and the purple and yellow. So I was like, sounds good to me, but let me click it. They obviously didn't say this for no reason. Let me click it. Let me see what they're talking about. And when reading it, it made me realize a couple things that I forgot. I think I let the allure of Favre in that one year made me forget that he actually did play two years there. I forgot about it. And I don't know how long I thought it was. I don't know, but I forgot. It was just two years. And they were absolutely atrocious in that second year. Terrible. They sucked. <laughs> I'm sorry. They went 6-10, and ten, the second worst record in Favre's career. They even had Adrian Peterson and a prime Percy Harvin on the team. This was the year that saw Favre's Ironman streak end. His career shortly ended after. This is the year that should be forgotten. I like Favre. I don't want to remember this year. I'm going to talk about it right now. But after this, don't ask me about it because it didn't happen. Okay? Point blank, period. But we're going to get into it. So I did some more digging. What was so different? How do you go from being a NFC championship in one game? Honestly, he shouldn't have thrown that, that pick. That was a dumb throw. It was a far throw, but it was a dumb throw. You don't make that throw. You're probably in the Super Bowl to be in 6-10. and 10? So I did some digging. They said Favre wasn't going to come back. That wasn't even in his plans to return to football. Head coach didn't think that his head was into playing football. I guess he was going through some marriage problems. That ain't really my forte to dig into on this on this show. But I guess he was going through those. And he was planning on retiring. He was done with football. Now, we all know that a, a Brett Favre retirement ain't nothing. It don't mean nothing. Um, But... He's in the hall now, so it means something. But Ryan Longwell, who was a kicker for both the Packers and the Vikings when, when Favre was there, said that they went to his Mississippi home. 16 hours they were there in Hattiesburg. 16 hours. Favre said he wasn't coming back for 15 and a half of those hours until that last 30 minutes, and they were stunned. Jared Allen, talk, Jared Allen is talking about, oh, we don't really care how many touchdowns you throw, how many interceptions you throw, how many games we win. The locker room just isn't the same. And it was probably some it was probably some lies in there. I'm sure they cared about how many games they won. But you giving that speech to the man, the guy is done. The guy is finito. If Brady reaches this point to where you got to sit there and beg him to come back for 15 and a half hours, look, you're supposed to sleep eight hours. That's basically your whole day begging. Your whole day is begging. If Brady reaches this point, he's done. 
He's not coming back. That's one thing. You don't have to worry about him. He ain't going to play if his heart not in it. But there was a lot more distractions in that second year, like Randy Moss returning. They said that was a huge distraction for the team. And ultimately, they weren't catching those same breaks. I read up about it. Brian Childers got fired midseason. I don't see that happening in the Arians. There's a bunch of a bunch of variables here that I just don't see happening in Tampa Bay. But ultimately, the real reason that Panth- Buccaneer fans, excuse me, should not be worried about if Tom Brady's second year is as poor as Favre's second year. It's because you don't need to be worried about Brady's second year, period. I understand that the man is in phenomenal shape. He trains all the time, and he he's defeating Father Time right now. But at the end of the day, no matter how good shape he is, he a 42-going-on-43-year-old man. And at this time in his career, it's a year-to-year basis on if it's going to continue. This is an all-in year because we don't even know if Brady is going to want to play next season. So don't worry about it. Go all in. Instead of worrying if Tom Brady's second year in Tampa will mimic Favre's second year in Minnesota, what Tampa Bay fans, front office, coaches, and players should be worried about is how do we make sure that it doesn't mimic Favre's first year. Let's not get to the NFC Championship game and lose. Let's get to the Super Bowl and win it all because ultimately that is the goal every year. But when you got a guy like Tom Brady, it's even more important. We don't know how long that man is going to play. Time is of the essence. Go get that man a ring right now. He probably won't even come back the next season. I'm going to close it out right here with Ezekiel Elliott catching COVID-19 and football is coming whether you think it's smart or not whether you think there shouldn't be playoff or preseason games or they should push back the season delay it postpone it cancel it it's coming it don't matter and now we have our first look at what is scaring so many people and that is the question that what if your star player catches corona mid-season Football is a six-month sport. goes from August to February. Maybe even July. Depending on how you want to start it off. But at least August to January. It is six months. It's a whole process. It is unrealistic and ignorant to think that you are going to go a whole six months without any football player catching coronavirus. And no matter how elite and how, how, no matter how talented these guys are, it does not matter. Because you ain't juking Corona. You ain't running over Corona. Ezekiel Elliott will tell you one of the best running backs in the league. I got Somebody got on me today about that. They said, man, don't you ever say Ezekiel Elliott is one of the best. Say he's the best. <laughs> that was funny. But, I, I mean, I, I, feel, I feel where they coming from. I don't think he's the best. But they were, I think they were Cowboy fans. Neither here nor there. I think that it's a question that you need to look at. What if your quarterback catches coronavirus? This is it's important. We've seen the the importance and the benefit of having a good backup quarterback in the last couple of years, Teddy Bridgewater, Nick Foles. And I think that's why right now it's even more important to invest in your backup because what if your starter catches coronavirus? The Saints, the Cowboys, the Eagles, the Ravens to a certain extent, even maybe the Bears, they're set up because they have two quarterbacks on the roster. 
not saying both those quarterbacks are great, but at least they have two quarterbacks on the roster. If you're the Falcons, what happens if Todd Gurley catches coronavirus or Grady Jarrett? God forbid. I'm not going to wood. I'm not going to try to wish this on nobody. But what if, what if, what if, if you're Tampa Bay, what if, I don't know, Levante David catches it? Or what if one of those guys in the secondary is already weak? What if one of your offensive linemen catches it? These are things that you're going to have to look at. And teams such as, and I'm not trying to brag or anything, so I'm just going to hit it and move. But the Saints are so deep, and this is going to help them in this type of situation to where at most positions, subtract prob- probably linebacker, if somebody gets injured, or not injured, but catches coronavirus and has to sit out for two weeks, you have somebody who can fill that void. Like I said, I'm not going to go on, but you just look at it. What if somebody catches that, man? And that's something that the NFL has planned for, and they are prepared. But it has people scared. What if your top player on your team catches coronavirus? And it ain't a receiver where you got two of them. Yeah, I think I think Calvin really could hold it down for two weeks if he needed to. I know Chris Godwin could hold it down for two weeks if he needs to be if he needed to. Imagine if, if Michael Thomas would have had coronavirus last year. Where there was no other weapons out there for him to throw to. Man, Alvin Kamara would have had 150 catches instead of just 81. But it's a good question. What's going to happen? What is going to be the principles that the NFL leans on? And how much would they take from the NBA? I don't have the answers. But what I do know is that the NFL needs to figure out a plan of action, which I'm sure they already have, for dealing with these cases. Because in these six months, seven months, however long you want to say it's going to be, it ain't going away. Do I have the answers? No. But I am smart enough to know that answers need to be found. Point blank, period. I'll see y'all next week.